0: has heard before, but something that we need to hear over and over and over, I think. Matthew chapter number 6. So since I titled that other message, Winning Over Worry, I'm going to title this one, Winning the War with Worry. Winning the war with worry, and whether we realize it or not, we are at war in that sense. And uh, uh, the battlefield is in our own mind and involves each and every one of us personally. As you know, this is a part of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6, verse 25. We'll begin there. The Lord said, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than remnant? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for remnant? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these." Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith uh, all shall we be clothed? For after all of these things did the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need... Of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. As I said, here is a picture of our war with worry and and. I think if we're really honest, we'd have to say, and most folks are losing. Most folks are losing because, uh, unless I miss my guess, we all worry more than we should. But the the real problem, uh, or in addition to that, the, that compounds the problem, is the fact that we tend to treat it like a minor matter. You know, it's if you get up and preach against. Uh, Uh, against drugs or against alcohol or against this or that you know I, I used to you know you have a long list of all the things preachers preached against and believe me it gets smaller and smaller and smaller as the years go by when's the last time anybody ever heard a sermon on mixed bathing let that sink in for a little while. Some some of our young folks, they've never even heard that term. Boy, let me tell you, there's been some scorching, red-hot pre- uh, preaching about that. And I thought, boy, when you get to Texas, you know, man, everybody's going to, no, no, it's different down here. You get close to the coastline, and all of a sudden, it's kind of anything goes. And uh, so things are always changing, but, it, it, it makes some people really happy if you get off on one of those hot-button issues, one of those really hot topics. I, man, they love preaching like that because it's on that particular sin. But if the message has to do with the sin of worry, boy, all of a sudden, you know, I, we're, you know we're not so excited about uh, listening to that. Nevertheless, worry is a serious problem, number one, because it's sinful. I mean, if the Bible tells us not to do it, then it's sinful, right? It's sinful because it's disobedience to God, and it's serious because it's destructive. Think of You know all of the different ways and maybe we'll comment on it in more depth later but all of the different ways that worry hinders us it distracts us for for one thing you know james said a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways And it's kind of like the mule that starved to death standing between two haystacks. Couldn't make up his mind which one he was going to eat out of. And I always think about that when I think about this matter of worry. Anytime we're worrying about something, we're distracted from something else. And uh, that can be dangerous. It disturbs us. You know distracting you is one thing disturbing you is another thing boy uh, you know you can call it anxiety fear worry or whatever but it all amounts to the same thing it's just plain old-fashioned worry and we wring our hands and wonder you know wow what are we going to do and so forth instead of thinking about you know how's god going to solve this problem we're worried sick about what are we going to do about it you know and so It would be a whole lot better off if we just knew God was in control. It causes depression. It defeats us and keeps us from our goal in life and ultimately can destroy us in several different ways. But the wonderful thing here is that the Bible tells us what we can do to win the war over worry. And I'm glad that, that I didn't write these words because... You know, that would give you uh, reason, to, reason to doubt. But keep in mind, these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I mean, he doesn't make any mistakes; he doesn't err. he's never confused. so I want you to notice three things that he deals with here. first of all, he deals with the, deals with the the cause of worry, I should say the causes of worry, and he mentions several things, for example, in verse number twenty five he mentions food and drink now that's you know that might be the last thing on the list that Americans worry about. Uh, You know, we got plenty of food. I don't know anybody that's ever even got close to uh, starving here in America. Uh, uh, I remember daddy back when I was a boy telling me and sis that, and he didn't make a lot of money. He worked hard, didn't make a lot of money. Uh, The union threatened to kill him and he wouldn't join and uh, so forth. And uh, he said, I'll tell you what, I promise you kids one thing you'll always have something to eat. You might not have a new pair of jeans when school starts. You might not have this and that. But you, as long as I'm alive, you're going to have something to eat. And uh, so we just didn't worry about that. We don't worry about that in America. And at, the same, uh, at the same time, there are millions of people starving to death in other parts of the world. So if we have food, we, we, we ought to be thankful with that. You know, of course, we live in a day and age where we're not just thankful to have food. We want the kind of food that we want. (laughs) All got our favorite. Somebody was mention, I won't mention her name, but it had to do with pizza and my love for pepperoni pizza and said, you know, you could eat that every day. I said, yeah, just give me a pepperoni pizza every day. And uh, so we tend to have our favorites, and while we're squabbling about not getting our favorite food, there are people in the other parts of the world digging through garbage to try to find a bite of food. How dare we worry about food? Then notice verse 25 he he mentions here something to do with fashion i think or he says and what ye shall put on on down in verse number 28 you'll notice he says why take ye thought for raiment now i don't know of anyone that doesn't have something to wear but there are a lot of people that worry about what they have to wear and we live again in america and the european countries where we uh, we allow the fashion designers to dictate what we wear Uh, it can it can be you know brand new but if it's not in fashion nobody wants to wear it and uh, that's why here in america we're probably the most wasteful people on the face of the earth perfectly good clothes that are discarded thrown away given to goodwill or whatever because well they're not in fashion now you know sometimes you outgrow your clothes or sometimes you lose weight and you can't i've got a treasure trove uh, for for some of my boys my bigger boys uh over in the closet i've got to go through because when you lose 70 pound you can't wear a whole bunch of stuff that you used to wear Uh, but uh I, 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 try not to waste that stuff, you know, you pull the belt up in another notch, make another hole in it, and, and things like that, but, uh, the Lord said, don't worry about that. I remember whenever I just started pastoring, and, uh, especially Kathy and Debbie, and of course, Kathy, Debbie, and, and Tracy, they were all, uh, living at that time, and, uh, and and being concerned as a father it's one thing to be a pastor it's another thing to be a father it's only natural in your mind to you know want to provide for them and boy whenever whenever you see them not having the clothes that maybe others have it it bothers you but you just have to put all of that in the Lord's hands, and let me tell you, some of the best people on earth are people that 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 were raised in poverty. It made them the people they are today. Prosperity has ruined more people than poverty ever thought about ruining. So he said, "Don't take any thought for for your clothing." Now look at verse twenty-seven and notice the word stature here, because this has to do with the physical. You know, and of course, you know, for some teenage boy pumping iron and taking vitamins and and like I did when I was a boy drinking that raw egg in milk, you know, because somebody said that helps you build muscles and uh for people like that you know they're really concerned about the size of their biceps and how much they can bench press and so forth or how tall they are my dad was 5 8 and i always i uh, i had an uncle that was about six foot or at least i thought he was he looked like a giant a big old strong man i always thought i gotta get as big as uncle urban that you know the strange thing is i got up to six foot finally and I was about an inch taller than Uncle Irvin. He wasn't even six foot, but that was my goal. I wanted to be six foot, but let me tell you, there's nothing in the world you can do to make yourself grow two or three more inches, you see. And, and by the way, we all need to be concerned about our health. He's not He's not saying don't be concerned about your health. That's not what he's saying. We ought to be concerned, but we can be overly concerned in regards to the physical pertaining to our physical appearance, you see. And the physical appearance isn't the most important thing in life. I wish we could get the teenagers to believe that because we got so many teenagers, they want to look like this movie star and that entertainer and what have you. Look, that's, that's not what's important. It's who you are inside that really counts. God's looking on the heart. Now, notice verse 34. Here's another cause. He speaks about tomorrow. Someone said the average person is crucifying himself between two thieves, the regrets of yesterday, and the worries about tomorrow. Uh, boy, that's that's exactly right. So, so many people are hung up on what, what happened or either they're worried about what might happen in the future, and we worry far too much about what might happen. I'm so glad that God... Uh, didn't reveal to us what the future holds you know a lot of times we think boy I I wish I knew what was going to happen no you don't now you might there might be some specific item in your life that you'd like to know the outcome of that so and so is having an operation you'd like to know are they going to get through it or not you think you'd like to know anyway but for the most part it's better for us that we don't know the future and we are forbidden to sit around and worry about the future. When I left Missouri and resigned the church that I had started there and was pastoring and boy I I went through uh, I don't know a couple of months I guess of not depression necessarily but worrying about what what are those people going to do if I leave? Young preachers tend to think that way. After you get a little older, you realize that it's God's church and he's going to take care of it. You don't have anything to worry about. Now They've changed the name, but that church is still going today after all of these years, you see. Why? Well, because it's God's church and he takes care of it. We don't need to worry about the future, it's counterproductive for us to sit around and worry about the future. But there's another another cause here, and that's like the old-timers used the word flagging, flagging faith. Uh, that is a diminishing of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what really gets to the root of all of the problems concerning worry. It is a lack of faith. There's a little poem I jotted down years ago that said, Though I know not what awaits me, what the future has in store, yet I know the Lord is faithful, for I proved him off before and i'll bet many of you you can stop and think about the times that you proved the lord the times that you put him to the test the times that you said look i'm not going to worry about that anymore i can't control it i can't can change i can't change it i know god is in control and i'm just going to leave it with him and what happened he came through he always does he never fails you see and so <clears throat> whether it's any of those First things that I mentioned there are not, it always gets back to the fact that there uh, that our faith is lacking. It's weak in some way or another, and that's going to create problems. Now, the other thing we need to realize not only the cause of our worry, but the consequences of it. You know, whenever you know there are consequences to your action, it helps you to uh, it helps you to change what you're planning on doing. A lot of times, the consequences of it. Most of us that are my age can look back and think of some of the dumb things we did when we were a kid, and we we never thought about the consequences of that. We just thought, well, this, this ought to be fun, or somebody double-dog dared you to do it, so you had to do it, and you don't think about the consequences of it. I, I was a grown man working for the highway department, and we was, we was down on Bear Creek building 65, and down under the bridge, way down in the valley, in fact, the bridge wasn't even built then. We was way down in the valley and had a big old crane there and they'd left the cable down. And so, you know, us guys at all time trying to figure out, you know, who could do the most, you know, whether it was uh, drive the most grade stakes or whatever, but we we thought it'd be a good idea to see who climbed that cable the highest. And uh, I'm going to claim I won, even though my memory's not all that good. I know one thing, I climbed high enough that when it comes time to come down, and if you've ever come down one of those cables, got those little wires sticking out, and you get down and your hand looks like shredded cabbage or something, Why, well, you don't think about the consequences of it, and especially when it comes to something like worry. We think, well what's the big deal about worry? I mean, after all, we're only human, and we try to explain it away like that. But the consequences are threefold. Number one, it harms us. It harms us in every area of our life. Worry will affect you physically. It'll affect you emotionally or mentally. It'll affect you spiritually also. Worry will absolutely drag you down and bring harm to to you. Secondly, it hinders other people because our attitude has an effect upon those that we come in contact with those of you that are married you you know that from first hand experience you can tell when he or she you know whenever they're in a bad mood and so forth and and that affects your day right <laughs> got one brave man there sure that affects you or it might look it might be a co-worker, someone you know that oh my you, you Whenever you see them coming, you want to turn around and run the other way because it, it, it's all, it's always doom and gloom. And it's a hindrance to other people. Whenever we're to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, you know, and we come around like we're baptized in pickle juice, that's the last, that's the last thing that, you know, people want to be around. So it hinders other people and harms you. But the most important thing is it hurts God. And and I use that word hurt not just for the sake of alliteration, but because that's exactly what the word grieve means. And the Bible tells us to grieve not the spirit. And God is grieved whenever we fail to trust him and obey him. I often talk about the fact that, that faith honors God. God is glorified. He is honored as a result of us trusting him. And that's why the Bible says, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, our, our, our goal in life is to bring glory to God. And so if we're going to do that, we have to please God and we can't please God unless we trust God. And so those are the consequences. Now, naturally, Naturally, there are a lot of subtitles under those three things, but those are the three big, giant consequences of us worrying when we shouldn't. So that brings us down to the cure. What in the world are we going to do about it? Because I can almost guarantee you most of us at some time in our life, maybe even right now, have worried about something, and we were aware of it, but we thought, well, how do I overcome it? You know, it, it's really easy for, for I think, most of us to sit in judgment of somebody else that maybe is uh, has a problem, let's say, with depression. There's so many different causes for things like this that we've got to be really careful that we don't lump everybody into one group because there are physiological problems that can complicate things and people that are given to fits of depression because it can be a chemical imbalance and a number of different things like that so we need to be really careful about judging other people but most of the time we just refuse to face our fears and that's actually the first thing that we've got to do because admitting we have a problem is the first step in us solving a problem whatever it is and, you know whether it's the problem of worry or whether it's a problem of alcohol or whatever it is until we admit look i've got a problem in this area i'm failing god in this area until we get there we're never going to be able to change anything uh, the Bible tells us, I think, plainly that worry is an act of disobedience, which makes it a sin, and it ought to be confessed like any other sin. John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, wow, the way I worry, I'd have to do that every day. Bingo, that's exactly right. We're talking about the war with worry, folks. We're talking about something that you're you're not going to make a trip down to the altar and get on your knees and pray to God, boy, Lord, I'm not going to worry anymore. Yeah, I heard that before. I've said that before. Yeah, I'm not going to worry anymore. Guess what? You'll be worrying about something tomorrow, and that's why we've got to be willing to deal with it when it happens. It's a war And that's made up of many battles. But first of all, it has to do with facing our failure in this regard. Secondly, it has everything to do with faith in our Father. I love the fact that God refers to himself as our Father. And, you know, the Bible could speak about him as the... uh, I'm getting ready probably in a short time to preach a message about... uh, Trusting in the living God. Think about that—the living God, as opposed to all of the dead gods that the heathen worship. We have a living God. He is the Creator. He is the Judge, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. But boy, when you say He's my Father, wow—that—that just—that—that that just takes on a whole new dimension about God and being our Father. God cares for his children, and he's proven it over and over again that he's trustworthy. You you can trust God because you're his child, and uh, he's not going to forsake you. He's not going to, to fail you. And then there's another thing we need to do, and that's that we need to forget about the future in, in in the sense that we're worried about it look at verse 34 again he says take therefore no thought for the morrow no thought now i think this is in the context of worry and fretting and what have you I, unless i misunderstand it i don't think for a moment here that he's saying don't make any kind of plans Of course, James tells us, you know, we ought to say, if the Lord will, we'll do this or that tomorrow. That in itself is making plans, and and that's what we're told to do. If the Lord will, we don't want to presume on God that we're going to be here or that we'll be able if we are here. So we say, if the Lord will, you know, tomorrow we'll do this or that. So... uh, I, I don't see a bit of harm at all. and can't find anything that tells us that we ought not to have any kind of plans. That's not the point. It's the worry and the fretfulness and what have you about, uh, about what tomorrow holds. It's also helpful to think about prophecy. That, that's all in the future, by the way. Talking about the coming glory. Uh, we're talking about our blessed hope, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's future, and we need to think about that. But we don't need to sit around and wring our hands and worry about it like a bunch of folks up in Arkansas several years ago. True story that they'd set a date for the coming of the Lord, and on that date they all climbed up on their housetops and uh I guess they've come down. I don't know, but uh, they did literally climb upon their house top. I don't know why they did that. You could be six foot under the ground, and when the Lord comes, you're going to go up. But for some reason, they thought that was the thing to do. You see, and so let's let's forget about tomorrow and worrying about what might happen because you can't change it and you can't control it anyway. So we need to focus on on what? We need to focus on the things that we can control, and that has to do with our faithfulness. Notice there in verse number 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, keep your focus there, seeking God first, his righteousness. That's what faithfulness is all about. I don't know about you. I think I do. I think you feel the same way. But I want to be like the Apostle Paul when it comes down to the end of the road. And he says, I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith, you know. And there's laid up for me a, a treasure in heaven. You know, just to be able to, to stand before the Lord and hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so we need to focus on being faithful not focus on being famous not focused on you know trying to uh, climb the ladder of success in this world but simply to be faithful to god and then lastly there's another thing that we must do and that is we have to fuel our faith that in, in other words if it's flagging we need to build it up and Thank God the Lord gave us the means to do that because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know, as a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or just a a concerned church member so many times, it, it, it hurts your heart to watch people. And I'm talking about people you love. You really care about them. And you can almost predict their demise. I mean, you can see it coming a mile down the road because they lose interest in in Bible study. Uh, just you know their attendance begins to uh, to wane, and all of a sudden you know they drop out or or they cave into some temptation because none of us can maintain our strength or build our strength. None of us can have the faith that we need to do what God wants us to do if we neglect the Word of God. Let me tell you, you don't get enough of it in Sunday school. You don't get enough of it with my preaching or Brother Preston's preaching. You don't get enough of it. You need a, you need a daily, regular dose of God's Word and not just reading it. That's well and good, but you need to dig in and study. I sat in there the other day and I begin to think of all of the different subjects, Bible subjects, that that I would like to preach on or teach a series on, and boy, I mean, it's got a long list of things that come to my mind, and there's just not enough time. There's there's not enough not enough time. Uh, we'd have to have, for one thing, services every night of the week, and I don't have enough energy. Uh, <laughs> But uh, that's what I'm saying is, like every child, take a little baby, you know, starting out, you know, they depend on somebody to feed them, but there comes a time where they got to feed themselves, and if they don't, they suffer the consequences, you see. So keep yourself strong and stay in the Word and build your faith, and I'll guarantee, I promise you, as you build your faith, your worries, your worries will diminish over time you will win more battles in that war against worry thank you all so much for being here you you don't know how much of an encouragement that you are just seeing you show up week after week after week and knowing that a lot of you don't really feel like it but you're here and not only supporting the church but you're here because you love the Lord and 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 you love his word all right any final word before we leave Forget about, don't, I don't know if anybody, I think everybody heard about Brother Barry. They thought he'd had a heart attack or stroke. And anyway, he got a good report. There is some, uh, there is some scarring tissue in his arteries, and but they think they can treat everything with, uh, with medication. So uh, at some point in time, he had a heart attack or a light stroke or something. There was blockage there anyway. And uh, now the blockage is gone, but the scar remains. So uh, keep praying for him and all of the others that have been mentioned. No final word? All minds clear. See Bubba hiding way in the back, so I'm going to ask him to lead us in prayer. Would you stand with us, please?